The strength of the wolf is in the pack, but it doesn't mean shit because Palace are back, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the Mars Offside podcast where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Chucky B, the best one. That's what the B stands for. And with me, as always, is super producer Monsieur Ian Stimson. How are you, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Enjoyed the vague French vibe you gave me there. That was uh, that was enjoyable. Uh, yeah, a touch of class. May we? May we? Ponsker. Getting Jay. into Del Boy territory now, I think. <laughs> um, Jay, uh, un glass de coca. <laughs> Je t'aime le music pop. Yeah, I just well, I'm drinking a can of Coke, but I couldn't remember what the French word is for can. Uh, that's the nonsense. Brilliant. There it is. Um, do we want to have Peter replayed since last time? No. Right. Okay. Uh, hey, well, I mean, yeah. we have. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah. okay. Um, so, of course, we are predominantly a Premier League podcast. Usually, do have three people, but there's just the two of us at the minute, as our transatlantic brother from another mother is indisposed for a wee while, but. We thought uh, there was actually quite a lot of narrative um, within the games this week and a lot of fun, a a hell of a lot of goals. Mm. Um, Goals are plenty. Um, you know, but I mean, Palace as as a, of course, a uh, unbiased Palace fan was um, shocked that we were second to last on match of the day. But then you realise there was fifty seven goals elsewhere. So right, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, that's that's to be expected, I suppose. Uh, do, do you, as a sort of mid to lower team in the Premier League, do, do you consistently get annoyed mid, at mid how to, late you are on match of the day? Well, well, lower? you know, I would direct you to the league table. Absolutely, sir. I'm sure you would. Yeah. Um, which has us in tenth place. I mean, we are traditionally an, we are an upstairs club. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but yes, okay. yes, uh, and th- that that in itself irked me because on both match of the day and match of the day two, when they showed a league table and comment on few changes, neither of them mentioned uh, Palace now going into tenth. You bastards! Um, <laughs> albeit four teams are on the same points, um, we just got the best goal difference, uh, which is weird. But oh, them's the rules. So yeah, we're going to go through uh, some of the games and start off with um, the the beginnings of the Jesse Marsh era, and of course. Our our most favourite award that we like to give out. Oh, straight in there. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. Straight in there. Yes, Leicester won Leeds nil, but Leicester generated zero point five xg, with Leeds getting themselves one point nine, as many as one point nine. <laughs> Um, I mean, they had a hell of a lot of chances, especially early on, went proper gung-ho leads again. It was it was quite fun to watch. Yeah, I did wonder how it was all going to look. I mean, we did say that uh, Jesse Marsh is from this uh, Red Bull school of uh, uh, football and that it probably wouldn't be that different in that he would, you know, want them to, to press high. Um, but there was none of the... Even though they lost this match, as you just pointed out, this was a Burnley in, and Fact. and you know points matter and blah blah blah, and we will get to that. But they didn't look anywhere near as fragile as they have done. There was a, I felt there was a much more of a balance uh, mm. in the in the like. Let's let's not keep thing. Let's not be too loose at the back, but we can still sort of push forward. I mean, it's a good a good game to play, really, Leicester, because they've 
not been brilliant themselves. They no. do they do leave themselves open. So it was a, it, it wasn't a bad it wasn't a bad game at all. And they will be, and he's he certainly seemed to be heartened by the performance. Uh, it's very easy to do the uh, Ted Lasso thing, but then. If he carries on like this, he's going to make it easy, isn't he? Because he sort of got them all to huddle afterwards after yeah, the game. <laughs> he he brought it up. He did a very uh, quite a good and quite a self aware and yes. measured uh, introduction of himself. Um, but then also mentioned about his accent and the Ted Lasso comparisons. You're like, okay, mate. Um, bear <laughs> in mind, you know, his most recent job, albeit, you know, for a team of Leeds' level, uh, eight wins in his 29 games isn't that bad. Um, but he took Leipzig from like fourth to 11th, and that's what got him fired. So, you know, right. when you've got Leeds looking down the barrel of uh, relegation, and you come out afterwards and say, uh, at this point, the performance was much better than the points. I start to doubt <laughs> your acknowledgement yes. of the scenario, sir, that there are only like 10 games left now. Yeah, no, this is, you're absolutely right. This is points. very pressing for them. And uh, Oh, very good. Five, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, un- unintended. And uh, Leeds are 39% to go down on 538 at the minute, which is the third most likely so they've still you know very razor thin but they've got them tipped for relegation at the minute mm. and like you say so you you can't really be looking at performance over points of course he's going to take a positive spin on this Leeds I mean how oh but imagine if he came out and just went that was shit <laughs> well exactly yeah so I'm that not was shit I'm and not we lost that but it's it's going to become very quick that that points are going to be required over over performance because um, they're in they're in trouble, and this this game obviously didn't help. So who have they got next? They've got uh, Norwich, which well they've they've still got Villa. We're we're mid game week at the oh, minute of course as well. We uh, so they've got Villa on Thursday. We record on Monday. Yeah, they're not going to want to play Villa off the back of their result. Bloody hell! Oh, who fucking knows, man? I yeah. mean, we'll get to Villa in a sec, but that was just out of a bolt out of the blue. Yeah, well, yeah, quite. Um, so. The thing is, what do, what do we think about this appointment then? Was this was the point of this appointment to continue in the Bielsa mould, the, the, to, to carry on with the, the pressing, or are they looking to do something different? The, the Athletic have done a really good article on this about, you know, when you change from such a uh, groundbreaking, massive manager for your fans, you know, uh, they've done a whole thing of, you know, going from Wenger mm. to the next manager, from Alex Ferguson to Moyes and all that sort of thing. Uh, is this is this a continuation appointment? Are they just did they have to make a change, but they wanted to keep it in the same mould? Is that the idea? It's got to be. I mean, you can't. Hmm, you say groundbreaking, but I mean, it's not in the same way as as the other two. You know, because there was no. obviously like the huge success which Wenger trailed off towards the end. Ferguson had right up until the end, um, but Bielsa was much more about of a, a familiarity and. Uh, and a humbleness. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe more a era-defining type thing, as in it was, a, mm. a, you know, very very short era for Bielsa in comparison to those two, obviously. But you, when he when he got them, they were in no man's land in the championship. Yeah, they were twelve or something like that. I think I heard the other day something yeah. when he and, when he took do, over and, so. and doing nothing, and and he really managed to get them to overperform, and and that's exactly what players like Calvin Phillips have come out and said. You know, I'd ne- I would not be the player I am. Without yep. you, I never even imagined I could be. So you know, the, yeah, that's why that's all I meant. You know, you're, you're talking about a manager who who the fans will remember forever. Yeah, 
Exactly. And so I think you've got to try to keep as close mm. um, stylistically and personality wise with that. Um, Jesse Moss seems like quite a personable kind of chap. Mm. Uh, as I said, from from his you know pre match interviews from and post match interviews from the weekend, as well as when he announced himself, the video that he did for for Leeds, kind of wanted to ground himself and understand that you know he's he's kind of filling big shoes. But then I think stylistically, in terms of play, it's just kind of a it, it's not a night and day approach. That there are some similarities, even though it will still be difficult to implement when it does still rely heavily on fitness. And is just a different form of pressing and different triggers and those kind of stuff. But the key for them is going to be Bamford was back on the bench. Yeah. Um, and when they get Calvin Phillips back and, and what that kind of means going forward, because... Just so, such a big player for them, just, you know... It really is for the way they've played. And, like, Dan James has this classic thing of looking really exciting at the beginning of matches and having a big chance and completely missing it. And then that's just kind of it. That was That was your load. Um, mm. so maybe having Bamford in there who, who they've, they've worked with for so long and was such a key part of that Bielsa team that came out, um, when you, when you are looking at the spine of the team, um, like we've mentioned before. So they need, they need points, Villa, Norwich, Wolves, Southampton, Watford. Great. That's opportunity right there. They then have Chelsea, Palace, City, Arsenal, Brighton, Brentford. So You've kind of got five decent games in there, four where it's kind of up and down, and then you end the season. I mean, who knows? Um, maybe depending on how things go, that that Brentford game on the last day could be a a third third relegation spot. Who knows? Yeah, I feel like five thirty eight percentage is a little harsh, but I guess unknown quantity of a manager in in a sense. So I guess I understand. Yeah, it's got to be factoring in the the, the games that are left and the fact that Burnley've yeah. still got points in hand. Uh, but from there, we do move on to Burnley themselves. Burnley getting uh, a, rather a thumping uh, from Chelsea Football Club 4-0 with a 2.1 to 0.8 XG. So actually generating quite a high XG for um, versus the Chelsea defence. Um, I mean, the key here is kind of Reese James being back. Uh, him being my fantasy football captain, um, <laughs> getting him in like the night before. That was yeah. great. Kai Havertz being my differential pick in our little uh, competition that we yes. have on the FBL pod. Yeah. He obviously got uh, one, two goals. Um, <laughs> it took you a while to count that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I'm sure you are aware. Um, and yeah, Chelsea, in terms of on the pitch at least – um, getting a result and and kind of clearing out some of the the problem players not having Lukaku. I mean, Lukaku wasn't involved whatsoever, uh, and doesn't surprise me based on based on his recent form. Um, hell, even Saul is is getting a chance and yeah. doing something. Yeah, I was uh, wondering how that was going to go uh, playing Saul as a as a wing back, um, and it was mixed returns I think from him and and uh, might be for a while yeah he's he's still not clicking 100% I think because um when you well maybe in in direct comparison to Reese James it's just like uh, down that right side he is something else he, he just mm-hmm. makes him tick so much and he just he had the Burnley defenders on toast I mean he yeah the, the, he really did the little like you know zigzag uh uh, dummies he was doing and then uh, for his goal specifically where he just made the whole thing himself 
It mm-hmm. was just yeah. oh yeah, three dummy shots or something like that. Yeah. Just and it went through. That was the thing I noticed um, about. I think all four Chelsea goals actually, or at least the first three, is that they all involved four or five Burnley players being in the way and it not mattering. Yeah, um, and they yeah. were just very disorganised. They weren't their usual selves, um, and just couldn't just couldn't do anything about it. Couldn't couldn't deal with um, Reese James. Couldn't deal no. with Kai Havertz. His movement was great. Um, Mount was kind of anonymous, which is which is strange. And Kante was giving the ball away quite a bit, but you know they they it generate really a lot from the their end. wing backs. Yeah, no, it didn't really matter in the end. Um, obviously, our usual third party on this podcast is a Chelsea fan, and uh, he's recorded a little voice clip for us. Insert voice clip. Do you, uh, do you want to hear it now? Do you want to? Yeah, because I can't remember yourself? what he yeah, said. Hang on, I've got to roll to find it. Uh, oh, because he recorded it before Burnley as well. He did, yeah. Should you... Ca- caveat. He recorded this before the Burnley game. Hi, everyone. It's Oscar here with another 30-second one-shot Chelsea take for the week. So let me get my timer started, and I will go. All right, going. Um, So first of all, I'm recording this on Friday, so the game against Burnley hasn't happened yet. Frankly, I don't care what happens in the game against Burnley. I wanted to take these 30 seconds to talk about the sale and that whole situation. As a Chelsea fan, from the fan perspective, I'm really worried um, what kind of ownership we're going to get. I don't want to end up another arsenal with like owners that don't particularly care. But more importantly, I wanted to take time to say that if you are currently defending Roman Abramovich or idolizing Roman Abramovich or speaking romantically about Roman Abramovich's time as an owner and not focusing on how he's involved in Ukraine, stop that. That's my timer. I still love and miss you guys. And hey, guess what? I'll be back next week. Oh, yeah, he will. I'm going to see Dirty Dancing. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, okay. um, I mean, a lot, a lot to kind of pick at there. Uh, sadly, that you know, he says he doesn't want to talk about it. That's a shame because it's probably the most goals they're going to score in a game <laughs> now for the rest of the season. Um, getting four, especially when his boy Pulisic uh, gets involved. Um, his fellow American, um, believe he's being called the LeBron James of soccer. Mm. Um, that oh, was yeah. a thing. That was a thing. Have you not seen that video? I don't think I have, no. Are you familiar with the American reality TV show, ish reality TV show, called Porn Stars? Uh, Vaguely, but very vaguely. Yeah, you know, so it's in in Las Vegas. uh, These guys run a porn shop. They're very successful, of course, because people need money for gambling and uh, (laughs) prostitutes. Uh, And this guy brings in a signed Christian Pulisic jersey, which is in a big uh, display kind of frame. And uh, they're like, oh, this guy's like the phenom, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's been called the LeBron James of soccer. Like, deadpan, serious. No. This is what, yeah. And <laughs> obviously, oh, that's you know, for, for USA, that's one thing. And for Team USA and whatever. And he is incredibly talented. However, we're looking at it going, no, no one, this guy's not carrying teams to titles at 36. That's <laughs> not what's happening. It's not starting regularly for Chelsea. For He's not going to be in the football version of Space Jam. All right. <laughs> that's just not what's going to happen. Okay. No, 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 absolutely not. Because that's going to be Alan St. Maximan, obviously. Of course it is. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Make it happen, Hollywood. Make Pit it happen. Shit. So, um, but he raises a good point because this match is is largely irrelevant. You would expect Chelsea to dispatch Burnley, but obviously, what did happen is during the um, 
uh, minutes applause uh, in support of the plight uh, of the people of Ukraine, a significant section of the Chelsea fans that were there at the match started chanting Abramovich's name, which is pretty fucking appalling. I mean, it's one thing, and I don't agree with it, but it's one thing to sort of have, you know, a bit of love for the owner who sort of got you out from from mediocrity, blah, blah, blah. But, But also, we all know that he has had political ties in the past that are mm-hmm. less than savory to something that is now that now is happening is is genocide and the timing of the thing if you want to yeah. change his name it's one thing as i say i don't necessarily support that but that's one thing but the, the while the fucking applause is happening for, yeah you know just come on i just don't understand the mentality of some people that is just next level horrificness it's it's really really tone deaf and i it, it was awful um but yeah so that's one thing and obviously i mean oscar and his thing that he recorded there before the burner actually almost fucking predicted it because there's been plenty of that on twitter from fucking john terry for fuck's sake i mean there was there was surprise in your voice there <laughs> yeah why 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 was there you surprise surprised that a garbage person was a garbage person yeah uh, yeah it's unbelievable that i found that unbelievable yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> but um anyway so let's gloss over that i suppose and what do we think happens with this now because i this can go a number of ways i think uh, my my initial feeling is that there's every chance that this gets protracted and lasts a long time and he won't I don't think he'll get sanctioned by the UK government. No, um, Oscar's been worried about that, and I see no way in hell that ever that Chelsea would be seized or frozen, or that would be a thing. I don't, it's just not going to happen. If it was going to, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Yeah, in my it's far opinion. too high profile, and it's far too connected. It would be, just be ridiculous, and I think that most of us realise that that's just not going to happen. So I see a situation playing out where he's sort of because originally it was. Um, a totally symbolic transfer to the Charitable Trust, which uh, mm-hmm. is now not happening. That ended quick. Yeah, indeed. Then, you know, the, the this intention to sell, uh, to, to sorry, this intention to sell the club. And this could take ages. There's a lot to sort out. And apart from anything else, you've got to, sort, you, you've got to find people who are willing to pay the, the, the inflated club valuation that he's got on it now. yeah the the so he's not looking to recoup the loans okay mm-hmm. uh, yep. so that's fine um but he wants four billion for it <laughs> mm, okay um you know there are currently 10 bids and there's uh multiple people coming in the latest one today is from saudi a consortium which obviously um because that's it right that, that, uh, that's where your money's yep exactly and, um, you know, he can say empty things like, like I said, with the loans and then, oh, I'm going to give the, uh, the proceeds from the sale, um, to this charity help in Ukraine. A charity that doesn't exist, no. um, is, is not a thing. Um, and also, well, then hang on. So if, if you sell the club for 1.5 billion potentially and they're in your debt for 1.5 billion, well, then uh, the, that's just the technicality that means you had no proceeds from the sale. Um, is that potentially what that means, Roman? He very much um, said net profit from it would be uh, donate donated to the like you say a charitable trust that doesn't exist and potentially could involve being given to Russian victims mm-hmm. in inverted commas. Uh, it's it's all very anyway. But but what, I could foresee a situation where 
he essentially waits for all this to calm down. And by calm down, I mean the threat of sanctions on him clearly becomes less and less as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And that it doesn't happen at all. I don't know how much of it's lip service is what I'm saying. And if he can if he can get away without selling Chelsea, oh, then he would. Then he yeah, will. Of course he would. Because it doesn't matter. Because it's because it's all how what what kind of person it, you. This is just what you have to ask yourself. And of course, we have to be careful, kind of what we have to see. But what person is happy to wipe off a 1.5 billion debt? Like that's just that's a lot of money to just say doesn't matter keep it there's yeah. got to be what is the reason for being yeah, able yeah, to be in that position be an and, him, and yeah. saying i love chelsea that's not no. that that doesn't feel right um it's very difficult to kind of comment on these things um because who fucking knows from one day to the next what's going on yeah um but the glorification especially so close to uh, what we saw with the Newcastle United takeover where you had some fans that, you know, you can be happy that your club has money. You you can be that. You can be conscious and wary of the fact that you aren't in control of these things and also not too happy and feel uncomfortable about it. And then you can dress up like your owner, put those flags up and not give a shit. Exactly. Uh, about those kind of things and that's exactly what sports washing is and this is what's happened when you have all these people coming out saying i don't care about roman abramovich blah blah blah, blah. Like, he's the best thing ever he's celebrate you know to celebrate him chanting his fucking name when he is directly linked to a situation of which people it's a, it's a fucking genocide is what it is and it's it's a much more relatable for people at the minute and and rightly there are comparisons to to various atrocities going on uh be that with in, in afghanistan be that in uh israel and palestine um be that in yemen. What we have seen in yemen exactly everywhere and i think people are absolutely right to be uh, in some ways thinking come on you why aren't you giving more attention to this uh than others and I think that's kind of an inherent built in this that the closer things get to home, the more relative links you have to a thing is is how you can then um, link up personally, you know, and, and, and of course, everything's uh, atrocious in this situation. Personally, I don't know anyone from Israel or Palestine. Personally, I don't know anyone from Yemen, but I know people from Ukraine. I have my, my partner is Lithuanian. Lithuania is on the border of Belarus, Russia and another Russian area of Kaliningrad. Like... When people are talking about what's happening and what's going to happen next, there's a direct link there potentially for me, for people that I care about and people I love uh, from being harmed beyond a normal platonic love of your fellow man and someone being a human being. Mm. And when we have that and then you see people that are just celebrating it and being like, oh, this is fine. or And then, you know, you start to see the not representative of club thing. And I've seen something uh, on Palace Twitter of people in Birmingham sticking big stickers up on the walls that are red and blue, uh, saying basically saying migrants not welcome uh, with a Crystal Palace eagle, eagle and people running away. And that 
transpired i've seen from uh one of the accounts that that was actually a palace fan it's not someone who is doing fraudulent stickers or those kind of things and you see on the social media people going oh that's not representative of our club that's not our fans that's not this and it it fucking is if it exists in your club it is a thing so now i have to own that as a palace fan and i've said that before Mm -hmm. that i've been in the stands and heard people uh, shout racial abuse um and 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 having something like that stuck up where the guy was seen doing it, told about it, and the guy just fucking laughed it off and just didn't give a shit. It's and the it's fucking these... arrogance of assuming you speak for everyone. It's just... It is. Absolutely it, outrageous. It is. I mean, it, you know, on the flip side, you know, I'm saying this on behalf of everyone. However, I'm not on the side of something that involves yeah. persecution and, right and destruction of, of human yeah. life and and uh, not allowing people something that is a right and the right to seek asylum, which is which is just a thing internationally. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fucking uh, outrageous. But... That's why, and I think Oscar gets upset about it, and I, I about the Roman Abramovich thing so much, and I would get upset about this thing with Crystal Palace is because the, these are things that are in society everywhere, and it's kind of beating that drum that we always do, and we end up here again on another issue of just we all need to try and be better, we all need to challenge in whatever ways we can, and, and mm. going forward, and and yeah, when you when you see people celebrating it like that, it's yeah, it's, it's fucking disgusting, it's hard to swallow, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, um, what you say about sports washing is is absolutely right because um, Abramovich has had uh, what nearly twenty years, I think, at Chelsea, mm-hmm. and Chelsea fans haven't had to confront, you know, his mm-hmm. his connections with fairly well documented, to be honest, organised crime and and links to Putin, which have been there in the past, definitely. You can you can look that up. You know that's not hard to find, and but they, they've not had to confront that because of exactly what you say. It's not been that close to home until now. Now, but so let's try and because you, that is that is exactly what sports washing is. You're right. So let's though so let's take a step back and mm-hmm. go from a football point of view. Now, assume that well, you could assume that Chelsea are going to get sold or not get sold, but I, I think that. When you've got new owners coming in, potentially, do we think that the the party might be over a little bit for Chelsea? Because Roman had, had clocked back his spending a little bit anyway. Um, and when we get new owners who potentially might have to, whether he says so or not, pay off his mm. debt, be it by increased valuation or whatever. Oh, however they dress it up or however yeah. it gets manipulated, that debt gets paid off or whatever, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. It's just not done any other. It's it's Man City sponsoring their own stadium for 500 million quid. So we're talking... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're talking about billionaires who are already going to have to pay over the odds. Are they going to... Whoever comes in, or Roman, if he manages to hang on to it, is the money going to be thrown around anymore? Is it, it feels like Chelsea might be a bit more low key in them in their money spending. Whatever happens here, I don't. I, I don't, I don't I know so. whether I can just. I can't see anyone coming in for Chelsea with a new mega bucks revolution. I, I just. I'm just not sure I see it. That's all. especially if they're already going to have to pay off some some debts. It feels like it would be automatic belt tightening, and it might be that they've got to be careful for a few years. I don't know. I mean, here here's just the numerical facts. Roman Ivanovic bought the club for £140 million in 2003. In that time, obviously, he has loaned the club, quote-unquote, £1.5 billion. 
Through a holding company, obviously. Through a holding company. And now, 19, 20 years later, whatever it is, we now arrive at a valuation of four billion. <laughs> right. Liverpool was bought for three hundred million, I believe, uh in twelve years ago or so. So now was like it twelve exact- years ago. Yeah, FFG bought it 12 years ago, 2010. So you look at that kind of over time, and if what you're saying is that that's the rate of increase of what you've put into the club, then therefore to get the same in the same time, in 20 years, they, they need to progress it to Chelsea being worth, I don't know, 40 billion? That these people are going to have to put their hands in their pockets massively, massively to do it, because they're not at the level that it was in terms of what investment was needed and and, and 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 then to build that in order for them to get a return. Yeah. So, you know... That feels if- like it's almost built to create a Barcelona-type situation where just, you mm. know, loads of money spent and potentially not got back. Yeah. And I, I think Oof. that's that's what it is. That's why you need people at that level of club now, if that's what we're saying. You need people who... I mean, I guess if Abramovich is going to walk away and not see this 1.5 billion, or, or however he wants to dress it up, or not put it on the club, or whatever, um, and let the new owners claw back that debt, um, you know, no one's no one's going to be able to do that. You're not going to get a, a continuation or an in, an increase in those kind of things to kind of try and, I guess, b- b- proffer a suggestion on what it is. These these are levels of business to which we are not normally privy. Uh, these are multi-billion operations. I've done multi-million pound businesses, but not multi-billion. Like, that's a fucking different kettle of fish, and these are societal things where there are, of course, elements of sports washing, which there are positive sides to. That's what sports washing is. We've mentioned it before about Man City's huge regeneration of the area, the increase in jobs, the academy, the the lives that are changed through this. Newcastle will be the exact same when they rebuild the stadium, when they invest in local business and all of that kind of thing. There will be people who will sit there and will massively benefit from this mm-hmm. and and kind of won't be able to turn down the the fact that this is from uh, blood money or money of war or money from oil or crime or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's a lot to expect your average man or woman to Especially do. Especially if they feel that the current system or government that, that is meant to be there to help them cannot help them in the same way that, that what that has generated at a local level. So... Oh boy, there's a lot, and, and there's a lot of stuff going on, and obviously we've kind of got stuck in a hole about that for a pod that wants to talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's important, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. We we have a duty, whatever it is, and and uh, to to try and shine a light and maybe potentially get someone to think about something in a different way. And if if anyone can do that, or we can stop more negativity and bad things happening in this crazy topsy turvy world. Uh, then that would have been worth the price of admission. Um, Ian Stimson uh, mentioned a couple of days ago that he would not fancy Ivan Tony uh, in (laughs) fantasy You're bringing this onto the main pod, are you? (laughs) Norwich won Brentford (laughs) 3, Norwich generating 1.4, Brentford generating 2.1, which includes two penalties for... Oh, Ivan Tony got a hat trick. That's he did. What a hero! Um, I think, yeah, I said on the on the FPL pod we record yep. for the Patreons, patreon.com slash miles offside pod. Uh, for more top tips, like don't get Ivan Tony. See, I think I was slightly misquoted that I said the the emphasis was on the even I can't recommend Ivan Tony at the minute. 
and I could. So you, so you can't recommend either as a Tony as a Tony mega fan. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to a prediction I made earlier in the season when I said that Ivan Tony would score fifteen goals this season, and even with periods of injury, he is now on eleven Premier League goals. So he will easily be able to get to fifteen. I am sure. Yeah, he's on eleven. You sure it's not eleven goal involvements? Because I'm looking at nine goals and two assists. Eleven goal involvements is good, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. yeah just is six, it really? Oh, fuck! Just, I thought yeah, it was eleven sorry, goals. Sorry, mate. Still, yeah. I still think he'll get to fifteen. So, can you recommend him or not? In FPL, no. Well, yes. Um, no, yes. I don't. Oh. I, mean, like, I couldn't. I mean, good conscience say to anyone you should get Ivan Tony, but you can't take one game and one hat trick with two penalties. So, uh, if you're saying, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, you're saying he's really good at penalties. That's this fucking big, big. Big balls energy right there. <laughs> Fuck me. That is just great. Two steps, really slow, stare dead eye at the keeper. Same Love spot it. twice. Against He's fucking Tim cruel Kroll. as well. Yeah. <laughs> That guy, fuck me. Um, but if, if you're saying he's going to get 15 goals and there's 12 games left for them, um, and he, so he, he's going to get another six right, so goals, that's six, right? a, goal, a goal every other game. So that's Al- levels, surely you have to uh, get him in here. Mm. Yeah. Um, you've, you've, you've annoyed me there with the goal involvement thing. I'm, I'm annoyed now. Sorry. Uh, Timu Puki scored. Yay. Timu. Uh, quite a lovely goal shame it was a as a consolation um and of course we did have a lovely moment um where brandon williams forgot himself for a little while uh rugby tackled a brentford player to the ground and then realized it was christian erickson so gave him a nice little cuddle Um, at some point realized oh this isn't a good look no no there was a split second as well where if you watch the video it looks like he's trying to perform cpr on him and i thought mate that's no, don't do that. Don't do Come that. On. That's too far, Brandon. Back to Man yeah. United with you. Lord knows they need the help. Um, speaking of stuff we never thought would happen, uh, Aston Villa four. Yeah. As many as four uh, relegating Southampton. Um, two point, <laughs> 2.9 XG to 0.7. Um if you watch the highlights, it's very much one of those games where it should have been about seven. It should have been another nine nil. Um, how <laughs> Philip Coutinho didn't get a double hat trick and three assists. Well, just <laughs> it's all about the goal involvements. Everyone knows that. Heavens to Betsy, they thumped them yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, who saw this? Who saw this coming at all? Well, Philip Coutinho presumably dreamt about it and knew exactly what to do. But yeah, uh, I. Who saw this coming? This is, this is it's so like so many teams this season. It's just, just so Premier League. It's no, so yeah. mid-table. It's so fucking mid-table. Just got absolutely no idea what's going on. But yeah, Coutinho was was brilliant. I enjoyed um, Gerard's post-match as well, saying that uh, he he was one of the reasons that he called it a day and went to America uh, because in most <laughs> oh, he retired training, him. Yeah, in most training sessions, he said he was too quick for me. He's the reason I've got six screws in my left groin, and I'm probably on my way to a new hip. Yeah, <laughs> and fair and I play. Thought, I thought that was brilliant, but yeah. So he's he's currently uh, managing someone who potentially retired him. So basically, Coutinho got him that job. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> shut away. So shut up, Steve. All right. <laughs> yeah, wind your neck in. Yeah. Um, Ollie Watkins saying that um, Coutinho is 
almost too quick for him, too too quick thinking. Like he doesn't know what he's going to do, so I mean, he just runs and hopes he puts it in front of him. Yeah, and he does. He's still fucking got it, man. He yeah. he just pulls it out of the locker every so often. I think we forget now that Liverpool have moved on, just how great he was and how funny he was to watch. And he had that period. What would it have been like? About five, six years that he was between Barca and a two-year loan at Bayern, and just never really got going again. And now. Like if if that guy just gets given the freedom to do whatever he wants and fully dictate the play to the point where it's like you all need to catch up with me and you need to get on my wavelength because I'm not slowing down. Yeah. If if that happens with the the threat of their wing, uh, well fullbacks, not wingbacks, sorry, um, that they've got, like it's tremendous. Um, mm. Sharing the goals around all the attackers all involved I uh, could have had uh, just an absolute hatful and Southampton I mean bad day at the office uh, FA Cup hangover um, it had to <sighs> happen knows? sometime yeah I guess so yeah it had to happen sometime just no one expected a, a, a deserved 4-0 almost. no no um, and it really was well, to go back to Coutinho quickly I mean so Aston Villa have got a, um, a, a buy a right to buy clause or whatever you call it Um the only way I guess that doesn't happen is if Coutinho wants to go somewhere else, you know, and they can't agree mm. terms or, or whatever. But, but if um, if they build everything around, if they make in the star and they've got, you know, it sounds like Gerard was, you know, obviously instrumental in bringing him in. It sounds like they've got an amazing relationship. Um is there a chance Coutinho wants to stay there and be be the star for a couple of years? How old is he? He must be 30 29. or something. 29. 29, 30, right. So, you know, he, he might just think this is this is a chance to just last few years of, of being a star at a team. Build, you know, I can get a team built around me and I might be able to power him into Europe, you know. Last, he might it's it's last it. contract time for him. Uh, you know, 30 in the summer. Yeah. And that that's kind of it. I mean, we all know Villa have got the money. Um, that they are going to spend it. We all, we all know that Barcelona will sell and they probably yeah. wouldn't be interested because of the way they're rebuilding with Xavi and, and getting in a hell of a lot of young players and trying to build again. Mm. Um, but, but also buying a Bamiyang. Um, but also a Bamiyang scored a hat-trick on his debut. So It's eh, tricky. It's, it's tricky this football life. It's a balancing it? act, isn't it? Um, <laughs> hot takes become cold very quickly. Indeed. Uh, or the other way around, who knows? Um but yeah, I, th- I think you're exactly right. I think he's he's in that kind of perfect spot where they could, they could pick him up. You know, his wages will be big, but you know they'll be able to afford it. They did shift Grealish uh, for a load of money. They've spread about a bit, a bit but they're not going to have much big spending anywhere else. And when you've got talent, almost talent golf, when you've got Ollie Watkins, who is a decent striker, saying that that he's just not even on the level. When you then pay that person more, it doesn't necessarily do as much to disrupt. Um, the, the yeah. circumstances as, as when you you can do in other teams where you just buy someone in, um, you know. So, and I'm sure Barca will do some sort of deal that will mean they'll they'll get him on it for cool. fucking peanuts. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I think you're right in that situation that then with, for, with him being there potentially on a permanent, that then they can really look at, at pushing into the spots where where I think um, teams like Wolves will vacate. West Ham, who knows what's going to happen. Leicester, will they improve to the same level? They're probably kind of eyeing on on that kind of level. And so, yeah, good times for Villa fans. Um, speaking of teams spending loads of money, it's amazing 
what 110 million quid will do for you in a January window. Newcastle United 2, Brighton 1, but a 1.6 to a 1.3. Mixed emotions. Uh, Brighton lose. Yay. Eddie Howe happy. Newcastle now down to 8%. For relegation. Is that all? Oh, the dream has died. I cannot deny the incredible run um, that they are on, regardless of opponents, situation, anything. That's that's fucking well, mad. I think um, what's clear is that um, Dan Byrne is the mid-table Premier League elixir that, that these teams need. It's since Brighton got rid of him, their form's fucking tanked. Well, well <laughs> Newcastle good, are doing incredible. Good point, Mr. Simpson, because I completely forgot about this, but the former director of football at Brighton, who also used to be very high up on in the FA, uh, was also moved to Newcastle from Brighton uh, just before the oh, January window been a, another opened. Another mm, And weirdly then, they stopped getting so many good refereeing decisions. <laughs> Strange, not that there's corruption. Oh, this um, is the conspiracy you've been hinting at for a few weeks. This has been like uh, an episode of Lost or something where you've been threading little little things through that I... Yeah, I... if you play the podcast backwards and you really <laughs> listen to it, then you then you hear all the messages. It's all getting revealed now. They, they haven't lost since the 19th of December, and that was against Man City. Uh, draw, draw, win, 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 draw, win, win. I mean, it, it, I, I still find it hilarious that they go on that kind of run and there's still like an 8% chance of relegation. Well, um, that, yeah. Just kind of showing how shit they were. Um, how? There you go. Very good. Um, but clearly they're just building the team around John Joe Selvey and it's, and it's working. Um, to, you know, the first goal, kind of lucky, uh, but you need that sometimes. Fraser just being in the right place at the right time and then a, a lovely free kick in for Fabian Scher. Um And they're doing this without Callum Wilson, with Chris Wood up front not scoring any goals. Yeah. Alan say Maximan's just coming back. Uh, I'm a little bit worried. Worried about what? I mean, you know, know. ultimately the charge up the tables just has started to happen a little bit earlier than we thought. I mean, they're they're still able to leave um, their new signing uh, Bruno on the bench, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. You know, they're not even needing him. As you say, they've still got uh, the likes of Wilson and St. Maximan out. I mean, it it, it just, the, the charge up the table is just happening a little bit quicker than we thought. They just spent 40-odd million on him and he's played 44 minutes in five games. Well, I guess, the, you know, they didn't they didn't originally want to just throw him straight in there and then with Newcastle playing so well, it's hard to it's hard to drop people, isn't it? Well, no, no, it's still Newcastle. Well, <laughs> you know, and if, if they if they stick with Eddie Howe through the ma- massive mega spending times, he's going to have to learn how to rotate a squad, isn't he? They've all either got to be playing for contracts to be like, please don't let me be one of the ones that just gets instantly replaced in the summer, <laughs> or they got promised massive survival bonuses when shit came in because those guys looked like they had their Weetabix. Um, yeah. And they are running and playing. Um, and it's a shame because just again, I like chaos and uh, and and having that unpredictability. Now, um, did you see John Joe Shelby's apology? I'm sorry, what? So John Joe Shelby apologised on uh, I don't know whether it was in Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Like, so Newcastle won. Like, this they won. Oh, they, they did a lap of honour. <laughs> Did they or he wanted me? I saw, I, I saw them on match of day two. They did a bit of honour. <laughs> okay. 
Right, yeah? fine. How, how are you feeling about that, mate? Well, I'll say this. Why would you do a lap of honour when you then go on social media and say, we weren't at our best yesterday, but sometimes you have to grind out results, credit to Brighton. I apologise for my own performance. I've watched the game back twice, but I dug deep and am proud of my team for doing the same. It's a mixed mixed bag of an apology. What do you, what do you think of this uh, culture of social media apologies from football players? Unless something absolutely outrageous has happened in some massive game, I think it's it's pretty ridiculous. Cool. I think this one specifically is mental. John Joe Shelby was, you know, a fair to middling player in a in a performance where you won. What the fuck are you doing going on an apology? Yeah. It's really weird. And then at the same time saying you're proud. Yeah. Well, really weird. Someone say really they like weird. me, please. Please keep me in the team. I feel very Roy Keane about this, and I think he was after, <laughs> you know, we, we're jumping ahead of touch here with the Manchester United after effect, but, you know, when when he's saying about, you know, the players that they care about, oh, do my boots look nice? Do we always hear how's my hair? And, you know, and then doing these, like, two-page apologies, and then you're apologising every week. Just be... And he said, like, do your apology on the pitch. Be fucking better. That's it. Don't, don't, don't endorse toxic fucking fandom if you if you have something where for once you do a mistake and you feel a bit bad and you go oh you know sorry about letting in that guy or you know contributing to the own goal or oh i feel bad or whatever but doing these pages and pages and pages like it's not healthy you're not you don't have to justify yourself to to yeah. me as a consumer as a fan you know what i mean it, it's it's like uh, it feels like a culture that's come out of like restaurants and stuff where like you complain about something and then um, you get a replacement bought out and you get the thing again for free, um, which doesn't happen in clothes shops. I don't I don't get a rip in a shirt, take it back, uh, get my money back and get another shirt. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't happen. Yeah. So like, why do you feel like you have to go on social media every single time and do these long posts and whatever and fuck it? And I know <laughs> there's an element of social media teams, but. Yeah. And and you want to be close to the fans or whatever, but just fuck fuck that. This one specifically felt very, very odd. Yeah. Anyway. That one especially is it's just fucking weird. Um anyway, speaking of uh chaos and well, really, predictability, um, after quite a few weeks um of saying about how shit wolves are, um <laughs> Vin de K. Tid Wolves zero, Crystal Palace two Wolves generating zero point six, Crystal Palace generating two point six. Um, can I get a hell yeah? <laughs> you can get a woof. That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's some XG victory you got there over a supposedly solid uh, Wolves defense. Solid Wolves defense overperforming for fucking ages. Can't score goals. One of the only players that does score goals just leave him on the bench. Don't change anything tactically when you're two nil down. No worries, guys. And we just absolutely fucking blitzed them in the first half, and then just went, "You ain't got shit. Come at us, bro." Um and and it it I'm not gonna lie it feels quite good uh done the double over them four goals two clean sheets for the season gotta be happy gotta be happy I don't know what to say I tempted fate so fucking much Wolves I Wolves fans if any of you are listening I tried to get you these points (laughs) tried to reverse I, I tried so hard I didn't even just just went for it. Saying how shit, not even just on this podcast, on another one as well. That some of you wouldn't have heard if you're not on Patreon. I went off for ages. And still, you couldn't fucking win. Why? Because yeah. you're shit. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Oh, it does. Yeah, the wheels might be starting to come off a little bit with Wolves. There was a, a bit in the post-match uh, with Large uh, having a pop at um, his young defender. I'm going to call him Hoover. Kijana, Kijana, Hoover. Yeah, that was weird. Really weird. It just just sort of went. Came on because another player got injured. Yeah, you're going to start digging him out. You play really boring football. He probably doesn't want to play. <laughs> okay, right. Let's let's. You've had you've had your moment of wolves, and it was rightly uh, rightly there for you. But um, let's be let's uh, take the positive. So okay. we've got Palace. We've got uh, a decent win, clean sheet. You know, comfortable win. Uh, even though you didn't have the most of the possession, you you, you played that game well. Yeah, um, I think I think that would probably be an element of game state. Uh, like I said, I mean, Vieira, Vieira said in his post match that he's. Uh, he said our first half was like the best 45 minutes we've played. Um, I also think that the other fixture we played against Wolves, um, I remember it distinctly, was one of the best performances we'd ever had mm. um, at that point. And it, and it was it, it that came after the Man City win, which was obviously a bit unexpected. And then you see like, you know, Wolves were performing really well at that point. And I don't think it even conceded a goal in like five or hadn't lost it yet that season uh, in the season. And, and we roundly beat them then as well and so you know you get into that situation then you can just give it to them and and like I said before they're happy to just pass it around amongst themselves and, and not really do much um, but yeah our attack like Michael Elise really scored a phenomenal goal um, Gallagher's link up play with Zaha and, and obviously Mateta following him for the first goal was great um, Schlapp running in um, and, and winning the penalty was it was fantastic to see that from him again because that's you know that that man's a Premier League winner, um, and uh, Gareth Southgate being there to obviously watch all the Wolves players and and seeing them, you know, ship two and kill and give away a, a penalty <laughs> and you're like guys Mark Gare he's right there, twenty one year old Crystal Palace captain new signing captaining the team captain us three times three wins in those games like. There you go. These are the players you need to be looking at. Tyrick Mitchell, left back. Michael Lise is picking up traction all the time. His his goal involvement, I think he's fourth uh, for goal involvements for players under 21. Um, top is like a Millsmith Road. Then you've got Saka. Then you've got Foden. Um, and then you've got him. And, he, and he's hardly played in comparison to those. Um, and it, and it, it's just amazing times. And that's bringing out like the best in Zaha. Well, I was going to say that. I think... That's one of the that's one of the really good things about this is that Zaha was always your um, star man, build the team around him, and then suddenly you've got this wealth of attacking talent, and Zaha hasn't his nose hasn't been put out of joint seemingly at all. He's he's been playing well in this match specifically. I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and with the likes of Elise as a Gallagher. You know, coming in, he, he could have had his nose put out. Of joint. I think there was a bedding in period, and I think there was adjustments he had to make to know that he didn't have to do it. But he's also evolved and changed as a player. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I this isn't saying on the same level, but if you look at a player like Mohamed Salah, like obviously he's incredibly prolific and and he's a winger and whatever. But you don't really see Salah taking people on and beating them with dribbles or whatever. It's it's all about getting into the right spot and taking the shot, taking the high percentage First touch, or yeah, going yeah. B- b- being behind in that way. And I think mm. in a similar way, nowhere near to the same level before anyone says I'm trying to say Zaha <laughs> is Salah, but he, he stopped going so much with the kind of wasted energy that potentially he had in his youth 
to now being a lot more efficient. Um, scoring those amazing goals where he cuts in onto his right and just bangs it in at the far post that he scored, I think, like three carbon copy goals of that this season. Um, yeah. One against Norwich the other week, which was uh, third in uh, match of the day's goal of the month. Um, he did once against Watford, um, and I can't remember the other one. But yeah, just just evolving his game there, and and then that meaning, like you said, that, that someone like Elise can just vibe as yeah. well because he can't be doubled up, and he is like I saw Zaha at nineteen, twenty years old. Like Elise destroyed would it would it's just levels above. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The guy can he can represent England, Algeria, France, or Nigeria, I believe, at national level. So, you know, from an England point of view, they need to get that shit locked down quick. Got a fight on their hands, they need yeah. to, they, you know, Gareth Southgate needs to call him up quick, um, even in anything, regardless of World Cup or whatever. Because if you lose him to to a different nation, then I mean, he's still going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, just good, just good. Good things, good things at the minute. It's amazing what a couple of good results can do. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. But the likes of Elise and they are going to do so well with because it's Saha's um, off the ball stuff as well. He's he's so good at, at moving off the ball and creating space now. Mm. That I just, I'm not entirely sure how much that was part of his game before. You you'll know more than me. But he's just he just feels like he's more well rounded these yeah, days. Hundred percent. And like you say, that's possibly because he's got other attackers. He doesn't have to do it all on him. You know, it, well, it's safe. previously it's, he had to have the ball. It's also just a simple fact of save of then saving energy. You know, when you're yeah. the one person where where the out you're the only outlet. You're the one where it's just like give yeah. the ball to Zaha and 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 for year like throughout Hodgson, especially years three and four. Like without him, we'd have been gone because that was just the only creativity. And so when you've got that and you're the person that then gets the ball and you're doing that constantly from minute zero to minute 90, by the time you get those big chances at the end, you know, where you're through one-on-one or whatever, tiredness then affects the speed, the rate of decision, all of that kind of thing. Whereas now, because he isn't having to expel as much energy constantly throughout the game, and he has a really good defensive fullback behind him in Tyreek Mitchell, who is getting a lot better and a lot more confident attacking and overlapping and, and playing some beautiful balls in, specifically for Gallagher a little while ago when Gallagher took the touch against uh, Watford for, I think it was our second that day. You know, it means that then when he does get the ball and there's 10 minutes to go, he's still feeling like relatively fresh and can make those better decisions and can link that play and cut in and beat that man and have just that extra half a yard um, that potentially in terms of pace has, has dwindled a little bit as he's got older. And, and so it's just it's just a, a, adapting the game to be smart. I mean, he's, you know, he is 29 as well now, um, just turned 29. So uh, you're kind of looking at peak and, and obviously he's going into his last year at Palace. And so we'll see what happened. But he, he, he always said years ago that he wants to leave um, with us, us being in Europe. You know, he left us last time. His last game for us before he joined Man United was the playoff final that got us to the to, <laughs> into the Premier League. Uh, I mean, it would be amazing if, you know, this year, who knows? I mean, we're in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Anything can happen when you're down to the final eight. But, you know, if if, if something mad happened and we won the FA Cup and then that got us Europa League and that was Zaha's last game, that would just be like, yeah, that would be like a perfect send-off, really. Nice. Okay. And the last game of uh, that Saturday was Liverpool-West Ham. I don't know how much there is to say about this, really. It was, uh, I mean, it was fun. I think West Ham uh, are consistently showing that they are, they've taken a step up Mm. over the last couple of years because, you know they are competing 
with teams like Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool's you know quality man for man is is, is higher, but they are competing. That you know, it's not no longer. Um, think about five, six years ago when you'd have seen Liverpool mm-hmm. against West Ham in the fixture list, you'd have gone oh, two, three nil, whatever. Yeah. And it's just not the case anymore. And I think Liverpool had to. Um, they had to. Oh, I don't know about grind it out, but they certainly. I think they, they rode their luck. West Ham, yeah, West Ham exactly. had a lot of big chances, and I think if Mikel, we've spoken about it, that Mikel Antonio's attacking returns have mostly been front loaded into the season, and so I think if they'd have been a bit more spread out, then potentially there would have been some times where he wouldn't have taken on the ball further himself and might have played in Ben Rama for one. I remember specifically, um, they did also hit the post. Fornells made a bad decision and and uh, once yeah. as well. And so, you know, it's Liverpool 1-0. And granted, you know, you look at the XG and there's four between the two teams uh, for four expected goals, 2.5, 1.5. And that just kind of shows that, that it was close and both teams were attacking and both teams were getting those chances. And uh, on another day, I mean, I, I think that really could have been one of those games that could have gone any way. And it's... But it's really good. Uh, it was really enjoyable. Was a neutral, and from a Liverpool point of view, it's like you have that massive variance game, and you still get the the one nil kind of thing, and keep on the pressure now. When City have won what twelve of their last fourteen, and you're just trying to keep up at this point and not make mistakes, and they're just doing kind of what they need to do. Honorable mention to uh, Liverpool fans for a few things. Um, a plane went overhead, overhead before kickoff, uh, carrying the banner "Cats Lives Matter." <laughs> That's enjoyable. All oh, right, I, I, yeah, okay, right. That caught me unaware. I didn't know yeah, about that. I, no. <laughs> um, and instead of, uh, I mean, this is this is less good. Did they sing "You'll Never but... Meow Alone"? <laughs> Nearly as bad. Uh, instead of "Attack, Attack, Attack," they were just singing "A Cat, A Cat." <laughs> Doesn't even really work, <laughs> um, but I enjoy it. You know, um, I think. Oh, I did see something actually with people with inflatable cats as well. So yeah, yeah, you never know. I can't see Salah going up into his ear, just going meow, meow, yeah, <laughs> like Chris would. It's, it's levels in it. You probably don't need to when you Salah, but uh, yeah, but yeah. even because he's really fast, he could go meow, meow. <laughs> You know, a little bit of both. Um, Whilst we're speaking about entertaining uh, kind of end-to-end games, Watford 2, obviously they lost. Uh, Arsenal (laughs) 3, 1.4 apiece in terms of XG, but four bloody lovely goals. Um, Cucho Hernandez's first for Watford um, was a great running away from goal overhead kick. Yeah, lovely technique, that. All three of Arsenal goals were just vintage beautiful tap tap uh, bang um special mention to Mikel Arteta obviously grabbing the ball throwing it to uh, I can't remember who it was for the throw in for them to take it but should he have been booked he was outside of his technical area you know should that I, have been called I back by VAR I want to see that goal ruled out I want to see that goal ruled out as well I want to see like the most perfect example of manager and team synergy of throwing the ball one touch five touches uh, Lacazette disgusting. set should to Martinelli booked. giving the eyes looking to the top right banging it top left right VAR see you later red card yeah, for the red card for the manager uh, this is what they pay 
ball boys are losing their jobs and losing exactly. opportunities because of managers like Mikel Arteta. And to be honest, Arsenal fans, that's what you need to look at yourselves because you're destroying society. First, you took down Gunnosaurus and now you're putting <laughs> ball boys out of the game and, and we're just not going to fucking stand for it, all right? Have a long, hard look at yourself. Long, hard it's, look it's, at yourself. It should have been 2-2. I'm an enemy of football. <laughs> enemy of goals. This is it. Yeah. Um, Watford... You're not you're not improving attacking wise. You and you won't and what what I was thinking about today that was really funny and that I can remember is like in this situation where you really need something and you've got Roy Hodgson, do not think that that means he's gonna let the shackles off and just go fuck it, let's just go attack. That won't happen. <laughs> You'll probably just get tighter. You'll start to see more defensive midfielders play. <laughs> Do you think that he was furious that Dennis scored a goal within 16 seconds? I yeah, mean, he got, he, and no, he no, was he really happy off. it got chalked off. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't be doing that. Stop running forward. Shouldn't be doing yeah. that. That's not what we do here. <laughs> I value my strikers on their defensive capabilities. Uh, should we talk about Saka? Saka's a hell of a player. and He's bloody good. I'm so heartened that, you know, back in the day when you had... Your Southgate missing a penalty and and and, mm-hmm. and to a, a slightly different degree because there was a bit more blame involved. You know when Beckham uh, kicked uh, Simeone, oh, dickhead. And, you know, yeah, there you go. You still feel still. I, <laughs> still I still. I was seven years old and I remember watching that game. I still remember when he did it, and we were like, "What I the mean, fuck?" That, that must have been formative for you. That and tournament, Jesus. Argentina getting a penalty when the guy just fell over Seaman's dick. Yeah. <laughs> Watch well, it back. Watch it back. All he did was fall over Seaman's dick and he got a penalty. Dick. So, but what I'm saying is that, you know, Beckham was um, booed for a, a full season and, and really put through the ringer. I know it was a different situation that it was playing, yeah. but Southgate as well, well you, you know, know, was really put through the ringer. There was all the racial abuse that came out afterwards. So at least it's nice that Football United in that way. You, not, Jesus Christ. not that there is racism. Sorry, that that now that you are commenting on the fact of how quick it ended, just to very quickly ask. Yeah, I mean I that's said. the problem. That that is, you know, you had um, Rashford, uh, Saka. Who was the other one who missed Sancho. the penalty? Sancho. Sancho. Um, and yeah, they obviously on the the night and in the week or so afterwards got some pretty horrific abuse. I still put that on fucking Southgate. He was a dick. Why are you making those subs that late? For people yeah. that haven't even touched the ball, you cock. Yeah, it's a, it's a you tricky fucking one, cock. But the, how how quick Saka seems to have put that behind him, and how quick like everyone else generally seems to have put it behind him. Maybe it was because that summer was amazing. We we never expected to get that far, yeah, and so forth. But it's, it's just a little bit heartening for me that at least a player hasn't been destroyed or set back from it massively. You know, it's it's because Saka seems to have. It doesn't seem to bother him at all, you know. Right. The, the, he seems to have kicked on in a in a big way, to be honest. In the way that mm-hmm. a lot of other England stars that maybe play for Man United um, haven't kicked on this this um, this season. And and I, I'm I just think of his little face as he's jumping into a pool with an inflatable unicorn, and it just <laughs> makes me happy. Yeah, I think at the minute the the kind of situation environment that Mikel Arteta has created mm. um is kind of perfect for that um he's weird enough and football pervy enough but without being too much on a level that it can't be understood or comprehended very easily um and you look at the other youth around him and the fact that you have that 
front four where you have Lacazette effectively taking like the Firmino role um, almost yeah, and that's being, a good shout. Yeah. being incredibly effective at then having a set pivot point to which your Martinelli, your Erdegaard, your Saka, and when he's fit, your Well, this game was a case in point with Lacazette bringing other people into play. It was was stunning. And that's like key for for the goals and everything, is is his position and his setting of the ball uh, um, and and just being there and being a nuisance to allow them to do that. Uh, And I think that's, that's really great to watch. Um, whilst then at the other end, you know, I mean, it's conceding two to Watford isn't isn't the best, um, but then defensively, Arsenal have been really good this season. Um, um, as we've said, being as Oscar uh, is only going to be with us sporadically and mm. until the end of the season, um, and if this continues, we need to bring in a new feature every time he's here, or just like an Arteta check. Is oh, he, well, he, well he, we ask if he thinks Arteta is a good manager, and he'll constantly <laughs> say no. Um, even though, like, he's managing well, and Arsenal are—they're fourth. They're fourth with games in hand. Yeah, that's just—that's where they are right now. Um, Feels like just, an overperformance. Let, let me well. just check if they. Yeah, it is. There was a—I mean, Jamie O'Hara is a piece of shit who doesn't know anything about football and is only there for reactionary Twitter views anyway on Talkshite. Um, but. He yes. was having a discussion with Laura Woods. I say discussion. Laura Woods was making incredibly intelligent, eloquent, was correct with intelligent points. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was just making shit up as he went along. Sort of like we do, but we don't get paid a lot of money for it and, you know, don't learn the players' names and stuff. You know, learn the players' names even. Um, and saying that Arsenal have kind of defied expectations this season. And it, and it's right. It, it's not about where they were before and not about where they should be, quote unquote, in, in this crazy season. Um, they have, of course, they've spent money um, this year, but but who hasn't? Every, everyone does. Um, and and they're sitting in fourth, 25 games played. Um, they've, they're, a, they're a game in hand on Chelsea and five points behind. Um, which is which is huge, <laughs> um, and obviously they're they're they've got three games in hand on Man United below them a point behind. So at the rate Man United are going, West Ham could still overtake them. Tottenham might overtake them. I mean, as we talk, oh, there goes the second goal for Tottenham um, oh, after sixteen minutes. You know, uh, I know Tottenham are a roller coaster, but fuck, like if if they they you know Man United are shit. Um, which I, mean, I guess that nicely takes us on to the last game um, of the of the week, completed game anyway, of uh, Manchester City four, uh, Manchester United one somehow um, with a two point <laughs> seven to point five, uh, the the one being the most unbelievable, incredible thing there. I mean they've they've got a fairly good recent history against uh, Man City of of just pulling something out, and again you know when you have the rivalry games. There is that extra layer to them of kind of not knowing, but Man City destroyed them. There was that stat that goes around everywhere that in the last 15 minutes of the game, they had 92% possession in the last 15 minutes. And there was 3-1 at that point. So you're thinking Man United of old, like they would still be going. You might you might force that to a 3-3. Who fucking knows? That didn't happen against Peterborough. It didn't have that level of you know percentage possession. I mean, Peter didn't near. concede until the second half. Exactly, and only two. Man United were two one <laughs> down by that point. <laughs> exactly. So what are we saying? We're saying we're saying we're saying we're better than Man United. Yeah, well, sure, here's sure. what I'm saying, Ian: is that by my rules, Manchester United should be relegated. <laughs> 
and yeah. and since I am, you know, judge, jury, executioner here, I'm going I'm to swap him with Peterborough. Good, good. I mean, there. that seems fair. I mean, and, is it yeah. is it because I kind of like six points for Palace? You know, maybe. But um, you know, <laughs> six, it'll be six guaranteed points for everyone. You're no better off. Well, I mean, you know, uh. you, you might you, you might take some points off. You'll probably beat Watford. Yeah, Norwich, yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, what, what can we really say about about the game? Kevin De Bruyne being Kevin De Bruyne again is nice. Um, he's been kind of quiet but for a lot of this let's season. Let's not talk about Man City. We know about them. Let's talk about Man United being an absolute fucking mess. Okay. Um, if you want, you know, he who must not be named um, decided to. Fuck oh, off almost to like Portugal. he was a waste of fucking time and money. Yeah, Shock. funny that. Mm. But when you've got this. Lack of strikers at the minute. Some some situations out of Man United's control, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, others not very much when you have Cavani and Ronaldo who are uh, bordering on ancient Joint age now. of pension. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rashford is going to be fucking crying out for a move away, isn't he? When well, he that's, can't that's even what's been going the... around at the minute. That he's he's like, well, what's going on? Like maybe he's and and you would have never thought that years ago. No, you don't even get picked in this game when you you. There are so many strikers who are out, and there's so you'd rather play with no known forward. I, I just. I don't, I don't understand it, to be honest. I understand Rashford hasn't had the best season, but then there's a lot of Man United players who haven't had the best season. And it's it's pretty, pretty poor. I mean, I do not generally like Roy Keane's style of punditry, but I actually felt this one was a bit more heartfelt rather than mm-hmm. um, quite just, so... Just saying. Yeah, yeah for the sake passion, of it. fight him, choke yeah, him. <laughs> that, that genuine things he has said... I would yeah. go into the changing room and punch them and all. Have him up against the wall. Have him up against the wall. <laughs> That's another one. And yeah, and around his throat. Yeah, Roy yeah. has said that. But he just seemed exasperated that the that they gave up, and it was a complete capitulation in that second half. Mm-hmm. Man City's intensity and pressing, which they do all the time, considering how well Man United had done in the first half. What the fuck happened? It was. It was utterly bizarre. They they literally just went, well, we're not going to be able to keep this up, so let's not. Like, you've appointed someone, and, and Paul Merson said it, like, he'd never managed a, a massive club before. He hadn't yeah. managed a, a team since he was in Russia however many years ago. You've literally got him advertised as interim, like, plan for the future. So, like, what what is the point? Have you just got him? Is the only reason he's doing this job to appraise at this point, and work out who he's going to sell or buy or what is is that right? Just you know, come out and say that because there's no point. This this guy is literally there to be as a consultant past this season, who has a very clear, distinct identity of the way he wants to play. Well, yeah. what's the fucking point of trying to implement that when you know that's going to change? Are you going to get a manager that's the same situation? Because I don't think bringing in an Ajax manager is necessarily going to work. We've seen uh, situations where you look at Frank de Boer. Frank de Boer was an incredible manager at Ajax. He was super successful, but he was also like a product of that system as well as yeah, Eric Ten Hag's and other kind of things. That you know Those kids are bred from young to be Ajax, to be total football, to be transient in so many positions and understand that um 
so you don't have that at Man United. You have a load of people paying a load of money for players that don't gel. It's not yeah. It's not going to work. And unless, you know, I'm sure we spoke about this very early on, that unless you're going to completely break the wheel and stop with this social media engagement and whatever and actually use the supposed incredible academy you've got, which is clearly getting outshone um, for its products because we, we just aren't seeing them anymore or they're wanting to leave, which you would never have thought hmm. possible three years ago if you'd have said, oh, Marcus Rashford's going to leave. You're like, no, he fucking isn't. They need to fix that. But, yeah. but they won't, and that's fine because then I get to enjoy you them all being shit but and this, not you, winning anything. But you're absolutely right. That, that would never have happened... Uh, 10 years ago and you were talking earlier about how Arsenal possibly look like they're uh, in in pole position for fourth place but then you've got the likes of of West Ham and and other teams that might overtake Man United the name's only going to take them so far not only when it comes to attracting and keeping players but attracting managers because you're talking about Ajax managers and and Pochettino and, and the likes of that you're going to get to a point where they're not going to want to come. Pochettino doesn't fix this. Pochettino's got the exact same problems as PSG and he's hated. He's hated. (laughs) He was hated when they were 12 points clear at the top and they were winning their Champions League group. (laughs) So does he come to Man United to get away from that? (laughs) Sure, come come away to Man United and just get the same fucking shit where you won't get a control. You won't get a control of, of what players you buy or what you're going to do because it's all dictated by business and social media clicks and interaction and earning new money that way. That's that's just a simple fact. And all the time they're making money, the owners don't give a shit because why do they give a shit? If they can do it in spite of performances, if you can give out a dog shit cheap product and people still go num, 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 yes, please, thank you more, I'll buy more shirts, I'll buy more buy more kits, buy, I'll go to more games, I'll do this, I'll sign up for this, this Man United TV and whatever and pay for, you know, the garden gnomes that you bring out each year. Yeah, of course I fucking will. Give give a toss, okay? I can lower quality, spend less money. Happy days. Oh, we'll just do, we'll just we'll just sign some bloke, uh, and then do sixty odd tweets about him before he even signs, and they'll all fucking lap it up. And 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 so as long as you have that situation, it's going to be a, a self fulfilling prophecy of just dwindling because it's not just about that; it's then about the next generation of fans. The reason mm. there's so many Manchester United fans is because when I mean when I was growing up, and I, I suppose for you at the same age, it probably would have been the tail end of Liverpool into Man United fans, right? Yeah, no, Man United was definitely the main successful club when I was but a Man, kid. Yeah, but yeah. Man United are, are kind of coming through, and, and everyone, you know, I, I grew up in South London for fuck's sake. There were every, so many fucking Man United fans. Yeah. Now that's not happening. There's no way that's been happening. And you look at the then after when when did fucking Ferguson leave? 2012. We're now ten years away from Ferguson. We're ten years outside of Man United winning the Premier League. That's a generation of kids that's gone. Insane. If that yeah. happens again, and and I, I can see that happening again, they go twenty years without winning the Premier League. Hey, guess what? You're all laughing at uh, Liverpool for it. <laughs> yeah. You, you're that. You're that now. You used to be a thing. Oh, yeah, we're not bothered about you anymore. You're not relevant in literally a generation, a lifetime of adults. Yeah. It's good. good. <laughs> Fuck.
fucking. I'd, I'd, I'd like to close out my uh, my talk about this game by saying I'm looking forward to uh, I don't know in a few games time when Harry Maguire scores a goal and then goes and fucking shushes, shushes everyone the crowd, as yeah. if that makes up for Silence a fucking critics, season Harry, of big absolute shite. Yeah, and he'll get he'll get picked for England again, but he you know he does good things for England, but it, it's you know it's he's just been dross. absolute dog shit, and yet he'll Awful. do that. He will score a goal and he'll think. That oh, I fucking showed you. Honestly, you've been absolute you've fucking no dog pops the whole fucking absolute time. Absolute log. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, as we are <laughs> recording, like we said, Tottenham are two 0 up. Um, that's about twenty five minutes in, um, and there's a few fixtures. Obviously, like we said, we're in the middle of a double game week um, for FBL purposes. So Thursday, we've still got Norwich, Chelsea, Southampton, Newcastle, Wolves, Watford, and Leeds Villa. Um, but then we get into the weekend. Another double game week. <laughs> With Brighton, Liverpool, Brentford, Burnley, big game that. Uh, Man United, Spurs, come on Spurs. Uh, Chelsea, Newcastle on the Sunday. Wow, five, six games on Sunday. Woo. Yeah, and only two of them are on TV. Classic. Uh, Chelsea, Newcastle, Everton, Wolves, Leeds, Norwich, Southampton, Watford, West Ham, Villa, Arsenal, Leicester. And then Monday, just the small matter of Palace, Man City. Uh, uh, that uh, oh, I'll be in the I'll be in the theatre. Oh, I, I planned this wrong. I'm going to come out. <laughs> I'm going to have seen a Patrick Swayze man lift up and say, "I've had the time of my life." And then I'm going to then I'm going to walk out of the theatre and look at the football scores, and I'm going to jump in front of a bus. <laughs> Right, well then, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Ian Stimson. Uh, lots of spleen venting was had, um, yeah. but we shall record again next week. Say goodbye, Ian. Very spleen venty. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome, and thanks again to all of our producers, Johnny Worthington, Nate Witt and Mark Daffin, Sam Danby, Jeff Pedder, and Andy Penn. Praise from Sutton. It's not his birthday. <laughs>